is still singing in the back, it sounds like. Well, welcome. I'm Pastor Dan, and I'm happy to be here. I love the men's breakfast yesterday. We had quite the group. If you were a men's breakfast, maybe make some noise. Yeah, come on. So good. Uh, first time at the West Pioneer Grill. Um, so good. And then the women's retreat, of course. You guys, uh, I heard nothing but good about the women's retreat. Also, Sonia, I just have to say, that was the best announcement time we have ever had. You just kept on taking that mic. I I'm always, I'm always impressed when people are very, uh, when they're passionate about the ministry that they lead. I think we should be. In fact, I always tell my leadership team, make me tell you no. Like, just be so in love with your ministry. Want everyone in the world to come to your ministry that I have to say, hey, cool it down. Like, calm down. There's other ministries at the church. So I just, Sonia, thank you for doing that because I think that's how we should be about the different ministries. I love how Pastor Wayne talked about next level classes. Uh, we, I hope you hear that in our verbiage and the way we talk. We believe this is one of the best ways that you can grow in the walk that you have with Jesus Christ, the, the life that God has for you. One of the best ways we know is to come back on Sunday nights, dive deeper into the Word, get trained, get equipped, and get sent out in the power of God to do what He's called you to do. Amen? Come on. All right. So we're in Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go, in, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 4. While you're turn to your Bibles, and, or if you're opening up your smartphones, I wanted to let you know about an opportunity we have. As most of you know, once a month, we do a service, and it will actually be again this Wednesday at 1.30. We do a service at a local uh, retirement or senior living facility called Stone Creek, and uh, we do it the first Wednesday of the month. But coming up, there's some more opportunities for us to do even more uh, service there and more ministry there. They would like us, they have a memory care unit there, and they'd like for us to be able to do a service there as well, uh, twice a month. And to do that, we need your help. Uh, we want to get a team going uh, where it's just not one or two of us trying to do all of those various services, but uh, we would, as a collective body, be going over there and ministering together. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, email info at lifespringfs.com, info at lifespringfs.com, or you can talk to me, or you can put it on your connection card, or you can just yell it really loud and someone will hear you. Just whatever you need to do, uh, we want to get you on that team, and that will probably be a Sunday afternoon. So we'll do our one service here, and then we'll go over there in the afternoon and do it together on Sunday afternoons. Again, we would love for you to be a part of that. If that's intimidating to you, if that's like, no way would I ever uh, do something like that, well, maybe this is the right thing for you to sign up for then. Because don't you know, God has a great sense of humor, and in those areas where we tell him, God, I will never do that, have you noticed that that's often exactly where the Lord places you? So if that's uh, you, uh, please uh, let us know, and I'd love to talk to you. A little bit more. All right, here we go. If you, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth. Who's he? Jesus. Good. <laughs> Where he had been brought up. <laughs> Wasn't that encouraging? That good? Like, good. You're, you're doing good. Jesus. Je By the way, Jesus is always the answer. Did you notice that? I, it's a safe answer. Just, you don't know, just say Jesus and you're probably right. All right, so Jesus went to Nazareth where he was brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stood up to read, and in the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior, or Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll, 
gives it back to the attendant. He sits down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue, they're fastened on Jesus by now. And it says this, say it with me. He says this together. He goes, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So powerful. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Uh, Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you came into that synagogue, that you read that ancient prophecy from 700 years before. And you said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Lord, may it be fulfilled again today in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I just want to visually walk through what that might look like. Uh, If you remember last week, uh, he was tempted by Satan, right? You remember that sermon? If you didn't uh, see that sermon, go online. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it uh, on our own website. But he's tempted by Satan. He's in the wilderness. Anybody remember how many days is he in the wilderness? Forty days. That's right. And Pastor Adam uh, Henderson loved having him here last Sunday. But he said that Jesus, he was led by the Spirit. Remember this? He was full of the Spirit led into the wilderness. But then at the end of his message, he said that Jesus left the wilderness empowered by the Spirit. Verse 14, if you remember, he says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power, everybody say power, the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. And I loved how Pastor Adam talked about it last week. He said something like this. He said, if the Son of God, if Jesus needs the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, do you think that you and I might need the power of the Holy Spirit? Remember that? He said, if the spotless, perfect Lamb of God needs the Holy Spirit's power, then church, how much more do we need the power of God? And as you read through this uh, portion of the Bible, you, you see that Jesus, I'd say it this way, Jesus is on mission. He's on Mission. He's about his father, Father God's business. He's empowered by the Spirit now on mission. I don't know about you, but I've noticed in my own life when I am empowered by the Holy Spirit, I find myself on mission. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? I I wake up with purpose. I wake up with intentionality. Have you ever jumped out of bed just realizing I got something to do? I am living for God's mission on this earth. Have you ever woken up in the morning? Maybe you, you got up, you had your quiet time with Jesus, maybe you had your cup of coffee too, but you, you get there and, and you open up the Word of God, you spend time with the Lord, you, you pray to the Lord, but have you noticed after you do that, have you noticed how focused you are? Have you noticed that when you walk out that door, you're just like, here we go. I am ready to do what God has called me to do. Watch out world, I am ready to shine the light of Christ, share the good news of Jesus. I had the privilege of working with a pretty special man. His name was Bill Fowler. He was a pastor uh, in Texas for a long time, small town Texas. But then he came up to Spokane, and we were pastors together. And Bill, I mean, he had that deep uh, Texas accent. Uh, Anytime he saw something that he didn't agree with, and and being up in the Seattle area, you know, in the Northwest, there's a lot of things he didn't agree with. Anytime he saw something he didn't agree with, he'd go, that's all wompy job. So you can just use that one anytime you see something on Facebook you don't agree with. Just say, that's all wompy job. But I loved Bill. He was a great guy. Uh, I got my accent from him, so that's great. But uh, I, loved Bill. I loved his son as well, Ben Fowler. And, and I did this Wednesday morning Bible study. We called it Bible study for men in their 20s. Because I don't know about you, but being a guy in your 20s has got to be the worst, hardest, most difficult, challenging thing ever invented in the history of mankind. So I was like, we, let's, if it's going to be this hard, let's at least do it together, right? So let's at least uh, do it in community. So at 6 a.m., can you believe, we had guys in our 20s showing up at a coffee shop at 6 a.m. to do a Bible study. And to make sure that he went to the Bible study, what do you think I did? I picked him up. 
By the way, if you want someone to go with you wherever you're going, one of the best ways to get them there is to pick them up. That's for free. There's, there's some wisdom for you. But I'll, I'll never forget, I showed up to his house, 5.45 in the morning. Ben opens the door. He says, hey, i got to get ready. Go ahead and go upstairs. I go upstairs, and who is sitting there in the living room in his chair with his Bible open? Bill Fowler. That image, church, stuck with me. And in fact, it motivated me. It still motivates me throughout my life. It's probably one of the main reasons I read my Bible every day because I knew the life that Bill lived. I knew how amazing life's, uh, Bill's life was. I knew that Bill lived a fruitful life. He lived a life on mission. And he was the guy, by the way, that everybody wanted to be like. But I want to tell you, it came from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that came from spending time with God every morning. Listen up. Spend time with God. Let him fill you with the power to do what he's asking you to do. So here we go. Just to paint the picture one more time. Jesus, he's coming in to Nazareth. It says where he was brought up. And he comes in on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, it's the day of rest, the day of worship for the Jewish people. And he goes into that synagogue. It says as was his custom. As was his custom. What does that mean? Well, it lets you know. Uh, by the way, uh, at that point, Jesus, he's a Jewish man. Does that make sense to you guys? He's, he's growing up uh, in the synagogue. He's been doing this since he was a child. As his custom, he's been going into the synagogue every Sabbath for years upon years upon years. And he's in the synagogue. On, and, and here he is. And they hand him this scroll. The scroll happens to be Isaiah. And here he reads. And by the way, I don't know about you, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ... When I see what he reads, anyone else just get the goosebumps. <laughs> wow, it's powerful. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Would you say that with me? The spirit of the Lord is on me. And we know that's true. We've been reading it for the last several months. Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, spirit on him, in him, through him, or whatever you need to say. The spirit of God is all over Jesus. And I, I hope you've Actually, as you've been coming to church, I hope you see how important it is to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. There, there is no other way to do this thing called the Christian life except for with the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I'd ask this question. You don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to consider it. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? By the way, if you're not a Christian here today, you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? This spirit, like what, what, what is this Holy Spirit? If that's you, I just want you to know that the Bible is full of stories, of, of, of narrative, of people uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about his power. It's throughout the, the Bible. And, and the Holy Spirit and his power, by the way, he's also not just for really religious people. You need to hear that. He's not just for that cool person, not against these people, but, not, but he's not just for the people with the bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus. I mean, yes, he's for them, but not just for them. He's not just for the person that has the big picture of Jesus on their T-shirt. I mean, yes, he loves them as well, but he's not here just for the very religious people. Yes, he's here for them too, but the Holy Spirit and his power is actually available for anybody, anybody, including you, for anyone who decides to believe and trust in Jesus as the one who can save you from your sins. If you want the Holy Spirit's power to help you live your life, He's available to you. 
I also want you to know if, if that's something you're interested in, talk, let's talk, let's, let's have a chat. Um, any one of our leaders could talk to you. We have, after service is over, we have two uh, people that will be standing up here available for prayer. They'd love to pray for you. Um, whatever we need to do to make sure that you would leave here uh, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I just need you to hear this. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, wants to help you live your life. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's quite the list. Go ahead and just keep the list up there. Take a look. Pretty good, right? Good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, sight for blind, the oppressed are set free. I was thinking about it, though. These are the situations, if you've ever been in that situation, these are the situations where you just don't know what to do. You're kind of at a loss. Like, what are my options? If I'm blind, I don't know how to be not blind. If I'm in jail, what could I do to not be in jail? What am I going to do, right? What could I, on my own, do to change anything about that situation? He says to set the oppressed free. The oppressed free, that literally means to set the bruised free. You've been bruised by someone else. You ever been bruised before? And he says he sets you free from that opposition. And you realize Jesus is talking, again, about areas where you're kind of helpless. You ever been helpless before? Right? It's just this area and, and it's these situations. And if they were ever to change, if there was ever going to be a change in, in, in this situation, you would actually need some kind of supernatural help. In fact, you would, I would say, need a miracle you'd need a miracle for something to change and i think that's exactly what jesus says he's going to do and as much as we know that jesus helps in each of these literal areas don't you know there's also a spiritual component just keep it up right i mean literal area absolutely but don't you know there's a spiritual component to each one of these areas so yes jesus cares for those who are literally poor living in poverty but don't you know that there are people right now in this world who are spiritually poor, and Jesus cares about them too. We've all seen it before, right? You can be wealthy. I mean, you can have all the money in the world and yet live in spiritual poverty. Jesus wants to speak his good news right into that life that you might be spiritually full. He wants to proclaim freedom, spiritual freedom for the prisoners. Man, church, anybody here, and you can raise your hands on this one, anybody here ever experienced the spiritual freedom that is in Christ? Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. You were a prisoner. There's so many ways you can be a prisoner. Some of us, we were a prisoner to our past. You ever done that? Where you just drag those chains with you? And you just think about all the mistakes you've made. You think about all the failures. And, and you just allow all the, the things that you've done, all the screw-ups in your life. And you allow those things to define you. Some of us, we're, we're, we're prisoners to generational stuff, right? Generational sins, we'd call it. Like, you, you feel like, I'm just going to make the same mistakes as my parents. Or I'm just making the same mistakes as my grandparents. Some of us, we felt like prisoners to our culture, in fact, I still hear this one from people all the time, right? We just end up doing what everybody else is doing. Why? Well, everybody's doing it. We sound like a teenager talking to the parent, right? Why'd you jump off the cliff? Well, everybody else was doing it. But then Jesus came in. You remember when Jesus came in? Do you remember when he came into that area? And what did he do? He set you free. Spirit set free in the name of Jesus. By the way, that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus still does. If today you feel like a prisoner in any of those areas or any other area, 
Today, you put your faith in Jesus. He will set you free. Set you free. Recovery of sight for the blind. You ever been spiritually blind? Like two hands up in the air, right? You ever been there? I mean, oh man. Like, come on. When you become a Christian, it's the coolest thing. When you become a Christian, it's almost as if you get a new set of eyeballs. You remember what that was like when you said yes to Jesus? See you guys. <laughs> it's like a new set of eyeballs, right? See the world in a whole new way. You see your enemies in a whole new way. You remember what it was like when you saw your enemies before Christ? Do you remember what it was like before Christ when you saw your enemies? But now you see them a whole new way. Where you once hated them, you now love them. You have a godly love for them. Where you once just lived for yourself. Where you once just did whatever you could do to make yourself happy. Now you are living for a whole new world. It's like a whole different way of being human. You have been spiritually set free. Where you were blind but now I see. And now I'm learning how to love you and to love God and to serve others and to serve God. It's like Amazing Grace. It's a pretty good song. But I think it's also true. I once, I was lost but now I'm found. I was blind. But praise the Lord. Come on. I see. Amen. Church, Jesus is amazing. He's amazing. Look what he does. He comes in. He addresses all of these physical needs, all these spiritual needs. I mean, he comes in. He addresses our poverty, our sorrow, our bondage, our suffering, our oppression. He comes in. He comes in to radically affect every major issue of all of humanity that has affected every human being since the fall of man. He comes in to change it all. Have you met Jesus? Because he came for you. The anointed one has come. The king has come. The chosen one has come. The son of God has come. He's letting everybody in that synagogue in Luke chapter 4. He's letting everybody here today know that he's come. He's come for you. And things in your life will never be the same again. You know, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that this scene in the synagogue, it's right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So... What we've been covering is we saw this scene where Jesus is baptized and we see the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And then we see the Holy Spirit send him out into the wilderness. And now he comes into the synagogue full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can just see it. Father God, he has some work for Jesus to do. He is on mission. And with this reading from Isaiah, he's telling everybody, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's like what he says to his disciples in another book of the Bible, John chapter 4. He says, my food, it's kind of weird when you hear it just on the, the, the surface level, but I think hopefully we can get what he's saying here. He says, my food is to do the will of him, he's talking about his father right now, who sent me to what? To accomplish his work. Jesus came to accomplish the work of the Father. And what was prophesied 700 years before by the prophet Isaiah, it's now all coming true in Jesus. In fact, look at what the Bible says next. It says, then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Verse 20 says something that always gets me. It says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I love that because think about it. He comes into the synagogue. They hand him the scroll. He reads this. Isaiah, they all knew Isaiah. They've been reading Isaiah for a long time as a Jewish people. But he reads this, and it's almost like he's caught, he has a captive audience, right? They're just all quiet. They're, no one's saying a word, and they're just all looking at him. And they're like, what is he going to say next? It says, every eye was fastened on him. And the very next words of Jesus, so powerful, he says, 
today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That might be the best news that any of us hear today at church. This morning, I love the songs, I love the worship, I love the funny announcements, I love the next level classes, I I love all of it. But some of the best words, probably the best words you're going to hear today is that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And that list of things that would change our world, he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I don't know if you've noticed, you guys, but people are going through some stuff in our world right now. Whatever news channel you watch, CNN or Fox, whatever one, just turn it on, right? Fear, anxiety, people hurting. You ever just get overwhelmed by the amount of pain and suffering? Pick your epidemic, right? The drug epidemic, suicide epidemic. I have a 17-year-old. I think about the chaos that our young people are trying to navigate. They're just trying to survive. They're just trying to float, keep their head above water, trying to navigate this world. So many of our young people struggling with extreme depression. In our town alone, the town of Edgewood, just how many people are just trying to survive? People in despair, sorrow, discouraged, broken. And yet, church, this is why I love being a Christian. I love being a Christian because in Jesus, there's hope. There's hope for every single person in this community. Jesus is more than amazing. How he has changed my life. Anybody here, has Jesus changed your life? Right? He has radically, supernaturally changed my life. He continues to change my life. I was just thinking about this week. My attitudes, the way I think, the words I speak, the things I do, my thoughts about people, my thoughts not just about my friends but about my enemies. They've changed, praise the Lord. My work ethic has changed. My willingness to do hard things has changed. My passion to live with integrity and character, it all by the power of God has changed, praise the Lord. My passion to study. You know I'm in school. My passion to do homework. My passion to do well in school. My passion to be a good father, to be a good husband, to be a good pastor. My passion to be generous, to be a generous person, not just with my money, yes, with my money, but with forgiveness and generous, with kindness and love. All those things that without Jesus felt impossible, like they would never happen. But with Jesus, he is helping me in every single area of my life. It's why if you've been here for a few years, you've heard me say this before. I say Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. What do I mean when I say that? That in every single area of my life, Jesus has become the answer. He is the answer. He is everything. I want to conclude by saying this. He's the good news in my life. People still searching for good news. I found the good news. His name is Jesus. Even when I feel like there's nothing good in me. You ever woken up feeling that way before? Even when I feel like there's nothing good in me, Jesus is still good in my life. He has brought freedom in my life where I was trapped in sin. You ever been trapped in sin before? Don't raise your hands. But I can raise both of them really high because I've been trapped so many times in areas. And yet Jesus spoke a word of freedom and set me free. In areas where I was in chains, dragging along my pride, where I was blinded by my pride. He gently, softly, tenderly, with kindness and love came in and he allowed to remove the scales from my eyes and allowed me to see again. And I know many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, if we were in a more kind of excited church, you'd be standing up right now saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Right? We have some stories. This church has some stories of what Jesus can do in a life. And so to conclude today, I want to give one of my favorite people in all the world an opportunity to share his story of how Jesus has changed his life. Would you please welcome with a life spring welcome Ernie Madsen to the stage. (laughs) 
Good, Ernie. You got it. Good morning, Live Spring. It's just wonderful to see everybody here today, and my family's here, all my grandkids. What a what a wonderful seeing. I've got to tell you, I'm on fire for the Lord. I really am. And I know a little bit about fire because I've been through two house fires, and I've been on fire myself. That's the reason I brought my fire extinguisher. I just want to make sure nothing gets out of hand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, I, uh, when I got burned, I was in a harbor view for 18 days. And that was quite an experience. And my wife, who said she doesn't have a sense of humor, after I got out of the hospital, she had a surprise barbecue for me. <laughs> <laughs> and one of her friends came up and they said, Ernie, what was it like being on fire? And I goes, well, uh, Ben, it was, uh, and you're going to like this play on words, it burned like hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I grew up in a fairly large family. I had uh, six brothers. There were two sets of twins. I'm the oldest of the set. I had two older brothers and three younger brothers. And we grew up in, you know, your typical alcoholic, violent environment. Well, that's what we thought it was anyway, because we didn't know any other environment. So, But anyway, I can remember one time mom and dad, they usually went grocery shopping on a Wednesday night, and this night was no different than any other night, except that it would turn out to be quite a bit different, because they came home, they brought the groceries, they usually brought bread, peanut butter, day-old bread, of course, and they set the peanut butter on the table, and of course they started fighting, and my mom grabbed the peanut butter, and she broke the jar over my dad's head, and man, we just freaked out. We thought, what the heck? You know, we, we weren't freaked out because they were fighting, because they always fought. But we freaked out because we thought, how the heck are we going to get all that blood and glass out of our peanut butter? <laughs> well, that's a true story. <laughs> but anyway, Mom and Dad, they ended up divorcing about four years later when I was in the seventh grade, and our grandmother came to live with us. And we loved Grandma, and she loved us. And my dad used to say, you know, your Grandma is one of God's gentle people. And, of course, me, I was always talking back to Dad, and I said, gee, Dad, what happened to you? But <laughs> anyway, she was a very devout Lutheran woman, and she 
made and my twin brother and I and my three younger brothers go to church with her every Sunday, which we love to do because we really love Grandma. And my twin brother and I, we signed up for confirmation classes and and uh, we were choir boys, believe it or not, and we sang in the church choir. And those were happy times. And I continued going to Bethlehem Lutheran until my senior year in high school. And then I kind of quit going because I married my high school sweetheart. She was a couple of years behind me and she got pregnant. I, I still don't know how that happened, but <laughs> we <laughs> we ended up getting married and we were we were happy for a while, I mean for a little while, and then I turned twenty one and of course I started drinking and doing everything that a supposed Christian isn't supposed to do. And of course I started gambling and I started uh, cheating. And my wife had no choice but to divorce me. I don't blame her. And I just, by that time, I'd walked away from the Lord. I said, oh, I, I don't need this anymore. I'm doing just fine. I went through three more marriages, three more divorces, and then I finally met my wife, Debbie, very beautiful, wonderful woman. And she really changed my life. And, of course, the Lord really changed my life. And I still hadn't accepted Christ, but I had settled down quite a bit. And then one day I went to the doctor, and I found out I had kidney cancer. And they go, oh, wow. And the doctor said, I can't operate on you, Ernie. He said, you've got too many, you've got too many medical issues. He said, if I operated on you, you'd die on the operating table. Well, needless to say, Debbie and I were, were pretty upset, and I didn't know what to do. So I went over, and I talked to my good friend and neighbor, Dave, and I had Dave pray for me, and I had the guys at Northwest pray for me because I went there for a while, but then I quit going. And in the meantime... Debbie and I got a second opinion. I went to Harbor, or not Harborview, but I went to uh, Virginia Mason, and the doctor there said, I've operated on bigger guys than you. He says, I, no sweat. So he took, he took the kidney out. It was a seven-and-a-half-pound tumor on my kidney. And, of course, I wanted to take it home and put it in a jar of formaldehyde. <laughs> put on my mantle, I thought it'd make a pretty cool uh, conversation piece. <laughs> so, but I'm here. Thank the Lord. I am here. And I was just, something just came over me after I got prayed on. I was no longer afraid. I was I was no longer anxious. Everything was just fine because I realized that my life was in the Lord's hands. And I knew if he wanted to take me, he'd take me. But thank God I'm still here. So he must have had a purpose for me. And I think part of the purpose is this testimonial 
about all the sinning I've done all my life. You know, I, I thought Jesus will never forgive me because I am a sinner. You know, in the Bible, Paul talks about being the worst sinner of all. And I would never doubt Paul. But I would say if he was the worst sinner, I by far had to be the second worst. <laughs> I know that for a fact. You see, I was in a battle. I was in the spiritual battle between good and evil. And I'm sure a lot of us have been there. I'm still fighting the battle. It's a battle that we fight every day of our life. And it's up to us to realize what we want. Do we want eternal life or do we want eternal damnation? It should be a no-brainer. I mean, who wouldn't want to live forever? Who would want to die in eternal damnation? You know, uh, a good friend of mine, I've met many people here, the, the guys from the from the men's group on Thursday night and Pastor Dan and Pastor Randy and and you know I asked them shortly after I started coming here to to baptize me which they did and I came out of that water from under that water a new creature in Christ I know that for a fact and it's just been It's just been a wonderful, wonderful feeling that I've had and so many blessings. I mean, look at the blessings I have there, my grandkids, all my beautiful grandkids. You know, I love them so much, and I'm so proud of each and every one of them. And I've got two granddaughters that are getting ready to graduate this year. Good luck, you guys, and I'm so happy. You don't know how much it's made my heart feel that all of you are here. And I've got friends. I've got my good friend, uh, Fred Ryder, and his wife. And uh, they've Fred's known me ever since I was, well, he could tell you some stories. But, <laughs> I <laughs> but anyway... Uh, there was another good friend I met here, Ray Wright, and uh, everybody knows Ray, and I I loved Ray. I really did. I didn't get to know him as well as a lot of you did, but he said, you know, be a witness. Be a witness for Christ. Tell people your story. You can be the best example to other people because it's coming from you and you know your story and you know what Christ has done in your life. And that's all I want to do. I wanted to say that Christ is everything. Everything that I am is because of Christ. And I want you to know I'm not speaking. I can't speak like this. Come on, get real. It's, it's Christ in me. And the Holy Spirit put a conviction on me. He said, Ernie, get up there and give your testimonial. And he said, don't worry about what you're going to say. Just get up there and say it. And I'm just hoping and praying that whoever is in here listening this morning will take Christ, put Christ in your life, 
it's so important because it is a matter of life and death. It really is. And it's your choice. You can have eternal life or you can have eternal damnation. I just want to thank everybody for listening to me today. I know I don't want to keep rambling on and on, but I want to especially take thank Pastor Dan, and and I have to thank uh, Pete Wilmot. He, uh, I went through his class and testimonial, and I want to thank everybody from the men's group, and I just love all of you, and God bless everybody. Thank you. That was awesome. Wow, Ernie. Leaves you speechless and a tad bit emotional. (laughs) Would you uh, bow your heads with me? I'd like to pray for us. (laughs) I'm just filled with uh, just a lot of happiness right now, Lord. I'm just really thankful for Ernie being in my life. I'm thankful um, for his story. And I was just thinking, as Ernie was sharing, Lord, just what a mess I've been. (laughs) I'm so good at messing this whole thing up. And yet, God, your love is so big. Your grace so deep. And Jesus, you covered every one of my sins. And you set me free. And Ernie's story, my story, so many of our stories in here isn't about what we've done. It's about what you've done, about what you did in our lives. And so we just thank you, Jesus. We, we just want to thank you. And church, I, I just want to say this as we're praying to the Lord. If, if you've really taken this message to heart and, and, and seen that life change in Ernie and, and you know that you're in a place where you'd like to experience that same life change that you're realizing you need help that you're realizing that on your own it's just not working out like you thought it would work out and if you're realizing that you would like to experience life instead of death life without end instead of separation from God, but instead relationship with God. As we're praying, and I I don't want this to be something where we're causing a scene or making a ruckus or where anyone has to feel um, uncomfortable. I I, I want this to be a, a safe place for you. But as we're praying, if that's you, if you'd like to um, ask Jesus to come in and give you that life, to give you that new way of living where you no longer have to be defined by your mistakes but now defined by 
the love and grace of God. If, if that's you if, you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, if you just do something for me, if you would raise your hand really high so, so I can see, and I'll just come into agreement with you. Yeah, I see you, absolutely. And yeah, Anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, amen. Amen. Yes, amen. Yeah, I, Lord, because I, I just, this is how I feel, Lord. Um, I've never been that impressed with religion. In fact, I think a lot of evil things are done in the name of religion. But I'm really impressed with you, Jesus. And I'm really impressed with a place like LifeSpring where a bunch of Jesus followers can come together and learn about you and grow together and support one another and pray and <laughs> try to encourage each other in this crazy, crazy life. I'm really impressed, Lord, with you, with who you are. And I just pray for the people that raised their hands this morning that you would that you'd do what only you can do, which is you would set them free. They'd be set free in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you'd give them new life whether they've been attacked by others, whether they've been just imprisoned by their own mistakes, that all of it, just all of it, would be set free in the name of Jesus. That's what you do, God. You give us a new life. You know, the old is gone, the new has come. That's what the Bible says, that the old is gone and the new has come. And I just pray that for every person who raised their hand, that today would be the first day of a new life with you, Jesus. Lord, um, I thank you for this baptism coming up next Sunday. I pray, Lord, that that water... Uh, would be ready just for many of us to say yes to you and to identify with you and to be baptized, to say, yes, I'm following Jesus the rest of my days on this earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.